best friends and introverts. Welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining us for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This month is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month in the U.S., so we're going to share some personal stories. We're going to share a story written in the Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul book, which always gave me some comfort when I was younger, and of course provide some resources. This might be a triggering episode for anyone experiencing depression or suicidal thoughts, so listener discretion is advised. First, as always, let's do our mental health check. We're going to rate from one to five, one being absolutely horrible, five being absolutely amazing. For me, I'm I'm at like a, like a two, maybe. Um, so I think I'm in a depressive episode, and that's annoying. I don't know if it's like seasonal depression just coming in hot. I don't know if it's just like stuff happening in my life, but I'll tell you about it. So (laughs) I have this company I work with for our AC units and they came and serviced one. They left. Two hours later, my ceiling is coming down. So I'm just like, (laughs) what the heck? And like, it's it's a minor issue because they are going to fix it. Like, it's fine. But it was just like one of those things that just felt very overwhelming in the moment. It's very irritating. Stacking on top of that is just like general like depression symptoms. Like I'm really tired all the time. I don't really feel like doing anything. Even things that I used to like to do like tennis have not touched a tennis racket since my camp that I went to. Um, And I don't feel like it. I just don't feel like playing. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, I do know what the deal is, but... It's annoying to me. And on top of that, I am struggling with like some body image issues, which is even more disappointing to me because it's like one of those things that I thought I was past and I'm not. So yeah, not feeling too hot on my end, to be quite honest with you. But there is a ton of good things happening in my life and I'm trying to focus more on those. I'm back to reading a ton again. I've read like two or three books in the last week, which is amazing. I'm back in my workout era. So I'm exercising three or four times a week, even if it's just on the treadmill or doing some yoga or whatever. And we also, my husband and I, we did do a thing. So in Hawaii, we rented Teslas for our rental car. And he had gotten one on his guy's trip that he went on. And he's like, we have to try to get another one of these. So we rented one twice and we both really liked it. Like, I really like how fast it is. I like the interior. I like the exterior. Like, there's really nothing that I'm like, ooh, I don't really like that. Um, And this is the Model 3. So we bought one (laughs) or we ordered one and it will be here sometime in November, hopefully, um, unless it gets pushed back, and I hope it doesn't. But yeah, that's awesome. So I'm trying to focus more on those things rather than how sucky I feel. So if you are also in the two range, know that I am right there with you, and we will get through this just like we have gotten through everything else. This is also your time to check in with you. If you're not in the two to three range, If you're in the five range, if you're in the one range, no matter how you're feeling, it's okay. 
And we got this. I just really encourage you to check in with yourself and be honest with how you're actually feeling because for the longest I was kind of in denial with the fact that I'm in an episode again because I just don't want to be. Like to me it's almost like embarrassing because my life is awesome and what right do I have to be depressed? But here we are. So... (laughs) No matter how you're feeling, it's okay. Just be honest with yourself and then you can take steps to kind of improve how you're feeling or at least weather the storm appropriately. So while you're thinking about that, I will talk about our book, TV show, or movie of the week. I kind of went old school for this one and I read Misery by Stephen King. I had never read the book before and I'd only seen the movie and I saw it when I was a kid. And it's one of those movies that really sticks with you. So the basic idea is that there is this author, he goes into the mountains, stays at this like hotel or whatever, finishes his book, and he's due to fly back to New York. And he's like, nah, I have my car here already. I'm just going to drive back. He decides to drive even though someone tells him like, hey, just so you know, there's a big storm coming. He's like, nah, I'll be fine. I'll be out of here before, before that. Uh, Needless to say, he was not, and he is in a car accident, and who should find him but his number one fan? This woman is certifiably psychotic, um, like genuinely, and she takes him back to her house and nurses him back 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 to life, nurses him back to health, and just doesn't let him leave. And the whole book is him rewriting or writing a sequel to a book that she didn't like how it ended. And frankly, as an author, this is like terrifying, but also somewhat aspirational. Like someone likes your books enough that they're willing to kidnap you. Um, anyway, I really, really liked the book. I saw the movie, like I said, when I was a kid, and I liked the movie. It's one of those movies that really just sticks with you, and the book is also one that will stick with me. It's even more powerful, it's even more visceral. If you liked the movie, you will love the book because it has so much more detail and you're able to really feel Paul Sheldon's despair as he is being held captive. Something I also thought was interesting is that in the movie, like, you know that he's writing this book, but you never really see kind of what he's writing. In the book, you get, like, excerpts from his book. Um, To be perfectly honest, I skimmed them. I mean, it just wasn't for me, but I thought it was an interesting touch, and you can just easily skim it if you want to. So, for me, I highly recommend that one. And so, without further ado, let's get into our topic of the week. Again, it is National Suicide Prevention Month in the U.S. I want to iterate one more time that this could be very triggering for someone who is depressed, for someone who is experiencing suicidal thoughts. So, listener discretion is, of course, advised. So, because I love to air my trauma on the podcast, let's start with kind of what has happened to me. This was over a decade ago at this point, and I was just in a really dark place. I did not want to be on the earth anymore, so I took a bunch of pills and I hoped that I didn't wake up. I did wake up and I was sicker than I genuinely have ever been in my life. I felt horrible. To be honest, even though I say I just didn't want to be alive anymore or whatever, the truth was that when I woke up, I realized that 
it's not necessarily that I wanted to die. It was more so that I wanted the events that I was experiencing to no longer be happening. I didn't want to feel how I was feeling anymore. I think that's a common thing. I read somewhere that like people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco all the time. And the people who survive have always said like halfway down, they were like, I don't want to do this. So the truth is that suicide is a permanent solution for a temporary problem. It might feel like what you're experiencing is permanent and maybe you can't really see a way out. But just because you can't see a way out doesn't mean that there isn't one. Obviously, my life has dramatically improved in the last decade and I'm in a situation now that I would never even consider that or if I was considering that I would know that I need to seek help. At the time, 10 years ago or whatever, I didn't have the resources that I have today. I didn't have the knowledge that I have today. I've been through years and years of therapy. I understand like the warning signs, I understand what it means to struggle with suicidal ideation because the idea is that you think that once you do this, then everything is over. And it's true. Once you do that, everything is over. But you are also eliminating the possibility that things might get better. If I had been successful, I would not be experiencing my life as I know it today. I wouldn't have met the love of my life. I wouldn't have my dog. We wouldn't have just bought a Tesla on a whim. At that point in my life, I couldn't see what was in store for me. I couldn't see what was ahead of me. Now, knowing all of this, I know that I can't see that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I just can't see a way out of this. I can't see a way out of the situation that I'm in right now know that just because you can't see it does not mean that it's not there. I don't want you to eliminate the possibility that things are going to get so much better because they always do. The thing about everything is that nothing stays the same. Everything is going to change and sometimes it has to be us that enacts the change. So like 10 years ago, I flat out moved. I was presented an opportunity and I took it because I knew that I could not carry on the way that I had been. And it changed my life, genuinely changed my life. And it's not to say that I haven't struggled, that I haven't been depressed since then, like obviously depressed right now, but the excitement and the beauty and the love and the good things that I have experienced since then more than make up for these little blips that I still experience. It's kind of one of those things with mental illness, you know, like it's something that you're always going to have with you, but you just kind of have to learn how to deal with it. And I'm learning how to deal with it. I'm on the way. I'm on the path. So if you are listening to this and you are feeling some kind of way, like you want to unalive yourself, I really, really encourage you to seek help. And it doesn't have to be, oh, go talk to your parents, go talk to a friend, teacher, anything like that. Because sometimes telling people really close to you what you're going through, it's not always helpful. Because a lot of times the people in our lives don't have the resources either. 
you are who you hang out with kind of thing. So if you don't have the resources or the knowledge, in all likelihood, the people in your circle do not have it either. So I do have some resources, naturally. You can call the National Alliance on Mental Illness. I have a phone number for you. It's 800-950-6264. One more time, 800-950-6264. Or you can text HELPLINE to 62640. In addition, you can contact this same organization by calling or texting 988. So if you, maybe you're not feeling some type of way now, but in a month, two months, two years, you're like, I'm feeling some kind of way, and I remember Chelsea said something, but I don't remember what the phone number was, 988. And this is true for the U.S. I also have a link that I will put in the show notes for more worldwide resources. But if you are in a mental health crisis, if you feel that you are a danger to yourself or to others, if you just feel like you can't trust yourself, you're not sure what you're going to do, call whatever emergency number is available in your country, whether it's 911, 999, just call somebody and somebody will help you. Paramedics will come and help you. A mental health crisis is a health crisis, okay? I think sometimes we think that We just kind of need to, you know, tough it out and whatever. I'm just being sensitive. I'm being a baby. Like, no, this is serious and we should treat it seriously. So again, in the U.S., you can call or text 988 or 911, always. You can also chat online at 988lifeline.org. And again, I will put a link in the show notes with more global resources for all of my worldwide listeners as well. So when I was, you know, going through it a little bit, I had this very, very well-worn copy of Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, and it was applicable when I was a teenager, right? But I rented it from the library recently, and I did find a story for us, you know, to share. And I want to share this specifically because when I'm going through something, it's helpful to know that I'm not the only one going through something. Sometimes mental illness, depression, suicidal ideation, anything like that can be very, very isolating. And you can feel like you can't tell anyone or no one's going to understand or you're just better off doing it by yourself. And none of those things are true. Okay, you're not alone. You are not better off doing it by yourself. And people will understand. And I found solace in that with this book. I'm going to read one of the stories for you. It's just a compilation of short stories kind of written in to the chicken soup people. And yeah, so without further ado, here we go. It's called My Story. I never thought about killing myself. It just became a condition, kind of like catching a cold. One minute you're fine, and the next minute you are sick. Whenever people would talk about suicide, I would think to myself, I would never do that. Why would someone want to do something so final, so stupid? For me, I just wanted the pain to stop. And it got to the point where I was willing to do whatever it took to make that happen. It started with the usual stuff. I am 16. I spend the summer with my mom and during the school year, I live with my dad. I feel like an inconvenience to both of them. At my mom's, I have no room. My mom isn't there for me when I need her because she always has something more important to do. At least, that's how it feels. I was having trouble with my friends. 
the ones I had not lost already to different lifestyles, were unable to help me. In their own words, my problems were too much for them. The intensity of my pain scared them, like it did me. Oh yeah, did I mention my boyfriend, John, had dumped me that day? My first boyfriend had left me too. He said I had become impossible to love, and now John was gone too. And it wasn't that I would be without him that mattered. It was me. What was wrong with me? Why is it so hard to love me? And why is it that when it gets hard, everyone bails? I was alone. All I had were the voices in my head telling me I blew it, I was too needy, I was never going to be loved once someone really got to know me. I felt that I wasn't even good enough to be loved by my own parents. You know how when you're really hurting, you feel like you can just call the person, the boyfriend, the friend, and tell him or her how much it hurts, and they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you, hang on, I'll be right there. Well, I called, and I was crying, and I said, it hurts too much, please come talk to me. He said he couldn't help me, and he hung up. I went to my mom's bathroom and took a bottle of Tylenol PM, some tranquilizers, and a couple pain pills I had left from an injury. Soon, the pain would be over. I will spare you the gruesome details of what followed. It was a whole new kind of pain. Physically, I puked until I couldn't move. Emotionally, I was more scared than I had ever been. I did not want to die. Statistics show that immediately after attempting suicide, the person desperately wants to live, not die which makes it even sadder to think about those who do succeed. Luckily for me, I did not die, but I hurt my body, my stomach still aches, and I scared and hurt a lot of people. I scared myself, but I didn't die, and I can't even begin to tell you how happy I am about that. I cringe every time someone else finds out. I did not want to write this story, but I did want to help anyone else who might be thinking about it or who is in a lot of pain. It has been a month since that night. I have laughed at least 500 times, many of those real pee-your-pants kind of laughing. I have a therapist who really cares about me, and we are making real progress in building up my confidence. She's also helping my mom and dad be better parents. I have realized that they really do care, and that they are doing the best that they can. I have a new friend who has gone through some hard stuff herself. My intense feelings do not scare her, and we know what it means to be there for someone you care about. I have worked things out with some of my old friends, and we are closer than ever. I have earned $500 and spent it all on myself, without guilt. Well, maybe a little. And I am starting to forgive myself. Oh yeah, I met a guy. He's really sweet, and he knows my story. We have agreed to take things really slow. These are only a few of the things I would have missed. Life gets really hard sometimes, and really painful. For me, I couldn't feel everyone else's love because I had forgotten how to love myself. I'm learning now, learning how to accept, forgive, and love myself, and I'm learning that things change. Pain does go away, and happiness is the other side. Although the pain comes back, so does the happiness. It is like waves in the ocean, coming and going, coming and going, breathing in and breathing out. Leah Gay, 16. I love stories like that, and I know it might seem like a little bit morbid, but I like when people just don't pull their punches. I like when she's like, this is how I was feeling. It was horrible. It sucked. I tried something and I'm so glad I didn't. Here's what I would have missed out on. I love things like that because it is a reminder that there are countless amazing days that you will miss if you commit suicide. And that's something that we don't think about when we're feeling, you know, feeling a little, <laughs> a little some type of way. So 
I just want you to internalize this. I want you to know that you're not alone. Even if you just want to hop into my DMs, you can 100% just hop into my DMs and we can talk. You can reach out to a helpline. You can reach out to emergency services. There are so many people on this earth that want you to be here, even if it doesn't feel that way. I think sometimes sadness and depression has a way of like warping how everything looks. Everything is always kind of tinted with this dark quality that makes you feel like the worst possibility is the truth. And it's not. 98% of the time, it's not. And frankly, the 2% doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? So I love you. You are loved. You are cared about. You are valuable. You are amazing. And I really hope that these resources and these stories are helpful to you. So with all of that being said, we are about the end of our time together this week. But actually, there's one more thing I want to tell you. So I said, I mean, I said I was in a depressive episode. So I am like constantly preaching about how you need to take care of yourself and you need to be honest with yourself. And I'm not employing those same practices with me. And that is hypocritical and it's stupid. And I deserve better than that, even if it doesn't feel like it. So I am going to be taking the rest of September off from the podcast. I am planning to be back. Let me see what the date would be. Um, It should be October the 4th. And I just need like a couple weeks to move at a slower pace. It's not difficult to record for you guys. It's not difficult to, you know, talk about things that I'm normally quiet about. But I just feel like my energy lately is really, really low. And like I wake up at 10 a.m. and I want to go back to sleep at 6. So yeah, so I'm going to be taking a couple weeks off. I am going to practice what I preach. And if you are in an episode or you're just having a terrible day, Just let yourself have a terrible day. Let yourself be in the episode. Like, it just has to pass, and it's fine, and we're going to be fine. But we do have to take care of ourselves, and continuing to try to drive ourselves into the ground is not helpful. So, with that being said, (laughs) we are at the end of our time together this week. Remember that you are never, ever, ever, ever alone. It might feel like it, but remember also that your feelings are valid, but they are not always true. Okay? I love you so much. I will see you at the beginning of spooky season, my favorite time of the year. Okay. Love you. Bye. (music) 